0: You're listening to the Business with Purpose podcast with your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com. This podcast takes you behind the scenes with some of the world's most generous entrepreneurs, from the CEOs of mission-driven brands to directors of small community nonprofits and everything in between. Molly is sitting down with men and women who believe in changing the world, not only through their personal lives, but also their professional careers. And now here's Molly. Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of the Business with Purpose podcast. If this is your first time tuning into the show, welcome. There are 28 episodes in the archives that I would love for you to check out. And if you are a repeat listener, thank you guys so much for your support. If you have not already, please be sure to head over to iTunes and subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Your reviews help us to grow the show and also give me feedback on what you guys are liking, what you're not liking, and I just appreciate the love and support so much. While you're listening to the show, be sure to find me on Twitter or Instagram. I am at StillBeingMolly, and you can use the hashtag BusinessWithPurposePodcast, and you can leave a comment about today's episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, and let me know what you think. Today, my guest is Laura Blank. She is in public relations for World Vision. World Vision is one of the oldest nonprofit organizations that is working in vulnerable communities all around the globe. On May 6th of this year, World Vision is hosting the Global 6K for Water. It is one cause on one weekend, supporting countries all over the world in their quest for having healthy, clean drinking water. We're going to talk all about the mission of World Vision, about how Laura got involved, uh, and the fact that Laura and I have a lot of really creepy things in common. Not in a bad way, but we've crossed paths at some point, and it's kind of crazy how small this world is. Also, we're just going to talk about her heart for the least of these and all that World Vision is doing. You are going to be left inspired and encouraged through this episode, and I know you're going to love it. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Laura.
1: Hello, Laura. Welcome to the show. Hello. I'm so excited to be here.
0: I'm so excited to have you here. I love having, I mean, one, I love having you in person because I don't get to record in person yeah. all that much. I mean, if spoiler alert, folks. Laura's here with me in the studio, which is, you know, it's I've, really I've, fun. I know. Yeah. I know. And so I don't feel like I'm just talking to a computer screen. Like I'm <laughs> talk,
1: actually we're, we're actually sitting down. You have is that coffee? It's coffee. And I've also had some water and like three cups of coffee before I got here because I have two kids who, and have, one of whom doesn't sleep still. Um,
0: ah. Story of my life. Oh my so you've got your coffee. Yeah. I have my Diet Coke. Like yeah. this is like we're legitimately hanging out.
1: It's like the Molly and Laura morning. Shows. I know, hey, I know, <laughs> I know. We
0: should just we we should just take over the radio world, pretty much the podcast world. It'll be fine. We yeah. can just it'll yeah. I mean, we what's, can bring what, our kids. What's
1: one more <laughs> thing for us to do? Oh yeah, I've got loads of free time. I don't know about loads but like, of free time. Lo- I'm like sitting at home, twiddling my thumbs, thinking, what else could I do I with know. all my time? I'm no, just... but seriously, I had this conversation <laughs> with someone yesterday. I was like. When I was single or before I had kids, why didn't I like learn three languages and start a nonprofit? Oh my gosh! And like yes. become a millionaire before I was twenty-five because I just had loads of time to do whatever I wanted. I mean, now I'm like I had all that time and I just wasted it away. <laughs> I know my
0: husband and I have that conversation all the time too. They're like, "What do what do people without kids and dogs do?" Because we have two kids and two dogs, and it's like. You know, if we have to go out of town, it's a whole, you know, because you have to find a a house sitter or a place to take the dogs or like you can't be gone for a certain amount of time because you got to let the dogs out or you got to find somebody to watch the kids. I'm like, what did we do with all this time and all this freedom?
1: It's a shame. I just whittled it away, wasted it, didn't do what I could have. Well, There's still time to take over the world. There's always
0: time. There's always time. Okay, so Laura, um, Laura, you work for World Vision. We're gonna get into all of that, but before we do all that, I would love for you to give us the Laura 101.
1: Ooh. Okay. So tell us sure. your
0: story. Tell us your your why. Let's get deep. Let's just <laughs> let's, let's go there. I need dive. coffee. Let's dive right in. <laughs> I've got my diet coke. We're we're gonna dive right let's in. So it. Laura, tell us your story.
1: So I have uh, lived all over. I live here by you not with you but near you um and i was grew up in ohio though i'm a midwest girl at heart where in ohio outside of cleveland
0: <gasps> are you a you brown too? are you a browns fan
1: yes <gasps> you too oh my goodness yes
0: uh, it's so hard to be a it's browns it's so fan. hard to be a browns it's fan so are you a cavs Wait, and an indians fan too
1: yes of course okay so my
0: dad was born and raised in cleveland oh. and so i was actually born and raised in redskins territory oh. outside of dc okay but when I was born, my mom and my dad like actually had an, a a conversation about how are we going to raise our child? <laughs> is she going to be a Washington fan or is she going to be a Cleveland fan? And my dad cared so much; he was like, "She will be a Cleveland There's fan." There's no question. So my mom's like, "All right, whatever." Do you have a
1: picture of you in like a Browns onesie. When there you're is. Baby?
0: there are pictures of me I mean I'm like not I'm barely out of the womb and like my dad has put like little brown stuff on me so Aww. yeah and I I have all that stuff from when I was a baby and so I'm raising my kids to also be Cleveland fans yeah even though my right. even though my husband is a he's a Panthers fan and a Braves fan so but you know I, I frankly I'm like you can root for any team you want but um if you want to learn how to really handle life's hardships and and true <laughs> heartache like if you want to learn how to overcome be a Cleveland fan. If you want
1: to teach your kids empathy, and yes. emotional intelligence yes. and learning how to handle their big feelings like Daniel Tiger does, yes. teach them to follow any Cleveland sports yes, team. Oh, it's hard as a big kid. Yeah. I mean, it was Ugh. yeah, last year my dad called me in tears when Cleveland was doing so well and when LeBron they won the championship. Yeah. I mean, it was just like yeah, it was amazing. And then
0: game seven of the World Series. I know. I don't
1: I don't I'm not ready to talk about it. Yeah.
0: It's okay. And then the Browns okay. won fifteen and one.
1: It's There's fine. No it's ways. fine. We're gonna get it. I, I saw a funny meme that I just have to tell you <laughs> and I sent it to my dad. If you're not a Cleveland fan, maybe you can just empathize. Yeah. For those of you listening, but it said Uh, The Cleveland Browns putting zero and sixteen in (laughs) twenty (laughs) sixteen. It's like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, yeah, Yeah.
0: it's oh, it's really sad. But still, we root for them. But hey, you know what? I I've tried. To find other teams, like every year, yeah. I'm like, this is it. I'm done.
1: But there's this pull when you're like, it's, but you, you root for the I underdog, know. and you just want them to win. And
0: when you're from
1: Cleveland, it's such a strong, passionate community. They love their sports teams. I even know though they do. It's, it's a heartbreak. And
0: and we're, okay, one more one more point, and then we'll get back to <laughs> we'll we'll get off of this uh this beaten path. um So you know, the Browns have the first pick in the draft this year, obviously because they're so terrible. <laughs> And there's this big rumor that the Browns want to take Mitch Trubisky, uh-huh. and Mitch Trubisky was the quarterback at North Carolina, and I love Mitch Trubisky.
1: Like I, do you have like a secret call, like the red phone, like you're gonna give? Well, up, like, no, well hey there's, been, I mean
0: there's been lots of rumors online. Yeah. Um. And uh, my one of my closest friends, her husband is actually the quarterbacks coach at Carolina. No way. And so, like they, I mean, I've never met Mitch. Like Mitch and I are we're, like you're we're not like BFFs. BFFs, but Mitch. Is I mean, it's it's rumored that the Browns want to take him. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows what could happen? But there's this. I feel actually very conflicted because I'm like, <laughs> I really love Mitch and I want him to do well. So I don't know that I want him to go to the Browns <laughs> because I feel like the Browns have a curse on them. But then at the same time, I'm like, I would love if but the he, Browns you have all this
1: take- potential, a lot of room for growth there. I Let's know. just call it when it, it, it's know. a rebuilding season. But that's what happened
0: with Johnny Manziel, uh, and then oh, look, but, yeah. but Mitch is not Johnny. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> okay, so those of you who are like, I thought this was a podcast about business with purpose, and no, why are we talking about football? Sports. Hey, it's sports. fine. Sports. You know yeah. what? Girls can talk about sports. Absolutely. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, okay, so you grew up outside of Cleveland.
1: I did. Um, <laughs> whew, okay, focus.
0: Right now, I'm sorry.
1: So I, I've always been really curious about the world, so I ended up going into journalism for a little bit and i was in uh washington dc we've kind of moved all over but i am still a cleveland sports fan we've yeah. lived in dc new york boston uh costa rica we're in carolina's now um but i've been at world vision for about 10 years before that i was in journalism and i just was really always curious about about the world about different people and cultures i love to travel i was i had the opportunity to take my first international trip when i was 16 and i just thought this is so cool it was just It's just really interesting to see how the rest of the world lives and what it looks like and what life is like in different cultures. So um, that's how I ended up in journalism. And then I uh, met my husband when I was in New York City. And I feel like, you know, it's so great as you get older, to start to have a little bit of hindsight, you know, when you're in high school and you start to think about what is God's plan for me, it's really hard to know that because you're 18. And the biggest thing you've had to think about is like, what am I going to do on Friday night? Am I going to go to the football game? And, and then as you start to get older and have a little bit of hindsight, I just feel like the Lord has led us in places that we would never have imagined. Like growing up in a small town in Ohio, I didn't think after college I'd move to New York City and be working at CNN, but there I was. And then I met my husband and then CNN led to World Vision, and it's just all neat to see that. How did CNN lead to World Vision? Yeah. Well, when I was at CNN, I was thinking, you know, this is really great. I worked in an amazing team, and actually, I feel I still keep in touch with the dozen or so people that I worked with, and that was almost 10 years ago. Yeah. So it was a really neat, like, very tight knit group. Um, but I was there, and I was thinking, I'm not quite sure that this is it for me. My husband and I were both working long hours and missing family, and, you know, working on the holidays, and uh I we just started looking around and I, like a good journalist, spent time I met with people who I thought had really cool jobs and I said, How did you get there? And kind of interviewed them and just yeah. sort of worked my way backwards to say, yeah. okay, do I need to go to grad school? Do I need to go abroad and live? Do I need to be fluent in another language? What do I need to do to get to a job that is more connected to serving and working with people in, in communities around the world? And sort of has an an emphasis on on that. And A couple of weeks after I met with someone who worked at World Vision, I'd been volunteering. So, funny side story. Not that we do side stories here when we talk. I know, yeah. If if that's okay. Yeah, it is what it is. (laughs) I was 22 and I was working on the overnight shift at a local news station in New York City called New York One and I would work 9 p. to 9 a.m. and then I would get on the 6 train from Chelsea in lower Manhattan and I would ride for like an hour and a half up to the South Bronx and I would go volunteer at World Vision. So I'm a, volu- I'm a World Vision kid from when way back when I was little. My parents would sponsor kids. We had what they used to call the love loaves, which are these little like plastic loaves of bread and you'd put your extra change in them. Then you'd put them in a package and mail them into World Vision and they would use And it was a really cool way for families to get kids involved with those issues by, Mm -hmm. you know, finding their spare change and things. Um, But anyway, so I knew about World Vision. When I moved to New York City, I started volunteering as just a way to get to know the city and get connected and plugged in. And I would take the six train, I would be exhausted, and I would fall asleep on the person next to me, a total stranger, like drooling, like really falling asleep. Yeah. And I remember thinking, there must be something really cool about this organization, or I'm crazy, because why would you work 12 hours on an overnight and then go volunteer? Like, what, what? Who does that? Yeah. And that's how I got started at World Vision. And then when I was looking for something after CNN, one of my volunteer coordinators at World Vision said, hey, I've got this job opening, you should apply for it. And that's sort of how it got started. Now, what did you do for them when you first started working for them? When I first started working at World Vision, I was working on the same team, so the public relations team, doing uh, some of our other programs, but I was based in New York City, and um, we did all kinds of things around our domestic work, so working up in the South Bronx, we've got a really cool warehouse that works with teachers there, and basically, teachers can come shopping and get school supplies. awesome. Yeah, and then after that, it's just, it's been an adventure. I mean, 10 years of stories.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Random side note. So when this was, you said 2008? When I started at World Vision, it was 2006 or seven. 2006, 2007. Just curious. And like (laughs) this is uh, because my cousin um, and her old roommate from that time period, Mm -hmm. they both worked um, for, well, my cousin worked for NBC. For a while, she worked for MSNBC. Mm -hmm. Now she works for Cozy TV, which is like a- Uh um, Kind of like network, they play a lot of like all the like warm and fuzzy, warm and fuzzy shows, and fuzzy right? shows. Like Happy Days, and yeah, Lucy and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but her name is Meredith McGinn. I don't know if you.
1: She and I used to be in a Bible study together. What? what? Really? Wait, I feel like we have been living parallel lives. Are you serious? Yes. Yes. Oh, we used to be in a Bible study
0: together. Like, okay. Like years ago, and then, and then ago her roommate, roommate Nick, in New York. V- uh, v- 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 I don't know how, I don't how to pronounce I his last her. name, Venezia. V- I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So, sorry, anyway, sorry Nick, if we butchered sorry you. For, sorry, Nick. <laughs> if you're listening to the show, I'm really sorry. But, um, Wait, but I So, say, Meredith
1: is your cousin?
0: Meredith's my cousin. Weird.
1: Yeah. So, what's she doing now? Well, she works for Cozy. Oh, right, right. And she's in New York? Yeah. She's That's still in New York. That's crazy. Oh, my gosh. It's so crazy. Yeah. What a small world. Uh, so, my maiden name was Kusumano which people always say Quasimodo but it's not it's Cusumano it's Italian it's Italian so that is how i knew her now since being married you probably wouldn't know Laura blank but oh yeah gosh. wow weird
0: all right well i'm going to write this i'm going to i'm going to find it. okay so for those of you that are listening like we literally just figured this out on the, like apparently she knows my cousin Apparently, we just know everybody all the same weird, people we lived so we lived parallel lives
1: that is really crazy though Yeah, what a small world! That no, that's weird. Yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. I love when stuff like that happens. I know. Usually, I feel like you meet someone and you're like, "Oh, I have a friend," and that, and you play the game, and it stops after like one degree of separation. Yeah. But I love that we got all the way down to I know that person
0: too. I know. And like your maiden name also sounds really familiar. But anyway, we'll we'll talk after (laughs) (laughs) we because everybody listening is like, "Are you guys just like figuring (laughs) out like your six degrees of separation like right here on the show?" We didn't talk about anything. Pretty much. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so you started working for world vision and um, for those that don't know, talk mm-hmm. a little bit about world vision you know give us the history behind world vision for those that are not might not be familiar with it.
1: I love to do this because I feel like World Vision is the best kept secret. If you if you grew up in the church, a lot of people have heard of World Vision because they might have sponsored a child or done it with their family. A lot of high school youth groups will do thirty hour famine, but um, we have been around for sixty five years. We work in about a hundred countries. We have like forty six thousand staff around the world. Wow! Um, and it started with one man who was actually a journalist, and he went abroad to uh, to Southeast Asia and and wanted to. Get video and and tell the stories of children who were living, at that time, children who were growing up as orphans and for a number of different reasons, wanted to tell the stories of children and families in poverty over there and bring it back to the United States. And it was essentially the first sort of model of what sponsorship could look like. So he would take these videos around to churches and then churches would say, we want to commit to helping those children have, you know, food and water and shelter and just the basics. And it's really grown and professionalized a lot since then. Yeah. But but what we do in a nutshell is work with communities in poverty around the world, but we work alongside of them. And I think that's the cool thing. It's really what drew me to World Vision because as a believer, I wanted to find something where I could use kind of combine my faith and my interest in communications uh, and storytelling and, and and sharing the stories that we of the work that we're doing. But I also like that I feel like in the Christian community they sort of arrange. So you might be doing quote full time ministry all the way on one side or you might be doing that not at all, but just living out your life as a Christian in your work and in your in your family and neighborhood. And I like that World Vision's kind of in the middle. So yeah. we are our faith motivates the work that we do, but we really believe like I can't tell someone about Jesus or share the love of the Lord and, and and what he can do for us in our lives if they're hungry or if their children can't get clean water or they don't have a job so they can't provide for their family. You know, being able to, to do both at the same time. Is really awesome, so I love I love being a part of that.
0: That's amazing, and that's actually um, a conversation that I have with people a lot because this is you know this is it's it can be such a because I you know I've I haven't been into a lot of developing nations, but I've spent a good amount of time in Kenya, Mm -hmm. and you know one of the you know one of the common questions I get there is like oh when you go on these mission trips like what do you do and I'm like well a lot of times like it's really it starts with relationship building. Mm-hmm. It starts with helping them meet basic needs, mm-hmm. because you know I, I think about I, I I use this analogy, um, you know like when when Jesus was meeting, and uh, you know I'm not I'm not a theologian, but <laughs> I I feel like I I, I know enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when Jesus mm-hmm. was you know meeting people like and he was healing people like lepers and he was you know talking with this the woman at the well and things like that like he wasn't leading off with Hey, nice to meet you. So I'm the Son of God, right. and I'm kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. And you, if you want to get to this place called heaven, I know you haven't heard of it, but if you want to get there, you're going to have to believe that I'm the Son of God. Yeah. No. What yeah. did he do? He met them where they were. Right. He He healed them. He He met basic needs. You know. He You know. Feed the five thousand. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was meeting basic needs, and then people were wanting to say to know. Well, okay, okay, well, who's this guy who, you know, I'm, especially you think about like the lepers or the Samaritans, like Mm -hmm. they were in, you know, they were outcasts and nobody else wanted to help them. Nobody else wanted to talk to them. They, they they've been struggling for all this time. And then all of a sudden this guy comes out and he wants to help them and he wants to heal them and he wants to, you know, heal them on the Sabbath, you know, and that's, that was weird. That was counterculture. And so that opened up the conversation to share the gospel. Right. Yeah. And so that's what, you know, that's how I try to approach things in my own life. And when I do go, you know, go to Kenya or um, I've actually um, a friend of mine in the last few months have been helping a local um, Syrian refugee family. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, awesome. that's what but that's what we're trying to do is like. We're not we're not leading off with the gospel. We're just serving them and meeting their basic needs.
1: Yeah, we've started to talk about it a little bit. I had a friend say this the other day like what does it look like to be a Matthew 25 family? Yeah, which you know that passage about about it that r- passage really is um, in scripture, I feel like it's our mandate as Christians, whether you have a family or not, what does it look like to be a Matthew 25 Christian and care for the poor? Yeah. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. It's like coming alongside them and befriending them. And sometimes it's just listening. Yes. It's not like assuming that I have the right answer. And exactly. you know, as a, on a personal level. And I also think on a, programmatic level, the way that World Vision does it is something that I'm really proud of because ninety-five percent of our staff are local to the community. So it's not a concept, I think we often have this concept of like and it kind of came from mission trips and this is maybe a whole other conversation. Yeah. Like, do you do mission trips? And I've had this debate with so many people about what am I going to do when my girls are older. <laughs> I learned so much going on mission trips as a middle school and high schooler. Yeah. So we if you came up in that tradition as a as a you know as a high schooler teenager or college student there's a lot to be said for the value of those but it, it also kind of created in the, us this idea I think that we go over and fix things or we go over and have an idea of how to make it better and I really love that World Vision starts in the community with our staff who are Zambian or Vietnamese or Bolivian and say what do you need can we come alongside you and let's yes. do it together and I think that's so much one, it's just more sustainable. Yes. It's good practice. Yes, yes, and yes. I don't know what's happening outside of La Paz in a community or in a slum in Bogota or wherever. Like I, I might just show up and I might have something to offer or to contribute. But I like that we lead with the community and then back our way out to say, well, we you know here is the resources we can bring or expertise we can provide together with you.
0: Yeah, it's you know, and this is actually a conversation I've had. I think I mean I'm. I know a couple of times on the show because, um, you know, it's one of those things where that's why I'm so passionate about supporting ethical businesses, mm-hmm. um, ethical brands and, and companies and nonprofits, too, that are. Going to these communities and providing a sustainable way Mm -hmm. to make a living, um, providing employment and opportunity. Like it's not about how much money you can raise and just give to a community. Right. Because sometimes that can be crippling. Absolutely. Because that's not sustainable. That's not something that's going to last for longer than an instant. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the more that we can, again, empower like local people, indigenous people to the communities, the more that we can say, "Hey, what is it that you need? What are your challenges? What are your um, what are the struggles you guys are facing? You know, are they? You know, what are the spiritual needs of the community? What are the physical needs of the community? Um, those you know, those types of things are going to be different wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in Kenya back in January of this year, um, I I went. Working on some very specific projects, and we have a staff with with my church and um, uh, one of the ministries that we're doing. Like we have Kenyan staff, so mm-hmm. they're, um, you know, our church really comes alongside um, our our Kenyan staff. And um, I sat down with them over and had a conversation about a, about a particular project that we're doing because it's it's very new. It's in the early stages. And, you know, they were really looking to me for answers. And I said, look, I'm not – I don't want to give you answers. I mm-hmm. said, I have ideas. I have suggestions. But I want to talk to you guys first and find out what, what are the skills that, you know, these – because we're looking to provide some sustainable employment. And I said, what are the skills that they have? What are their dreams? What are their passions? When When you're going into the slums and when you're working with people in the slums, I mean, their way of thinking is today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this minute <laughs> – what am I – where am I going to get my next meal? Sure. Where am I going to sleep tonight? You know, the, their basic needs that they're thinking about that minute. They're not really thinking about tomorrow, mm-hmm. a year from now, five years from now. Yeah, you have to triage. They, life yes. Life and triage. Yes. And so we talked a lot about, like, let's start that process of getting them to, to think about dreams. You know, what do they want to do in five years? Do they want to – if they want to start a business, how do they, they want to grow it? Mm-hmm where that's a completely foreign way of thinking. So we really sat down and had a lot of hard conversations. I was like and I even said just straight out, I was like, I don't wanna be the white American yeah. who comes in here and says, This is how you have to do it.
1: Yeah. Have you like, ever heard of the whites in shining armor idea? No. Uh-huh. That phrase is just kind of what you said. Yeah. It, the the I, the concept being like there are whites in shining armors and like we're gonna come as the like white westerner and sort of come fix it for you. Yeah. And that's really not sustainable. No. But, but which is what you, exactly what you were doing, like right. having those good conversations. Yeah. And
0: so I, I I said that and they were like I mean they they were
1: very receptive to that and they
0: were just like oh yes I did yeah, you know and so once we started that conversation I said look I don't want to again I don't want to come in here and be the white American that quote-unquote knows it all yeah. and tells you how to run this I said here's what we're going to do we're going to have we're going to assess your your needs assess your skills and then figure out how we can support you mm-hmm. in that so like okay so where can we fill in the blanks for example um You know, a lot of times when you're talking about maybe an ethical fashion brand um, that's working with an artisan group in a vulnerable community, a lot of times the two things that the vulnerable community has might be, you know, they've got artisans with skills and they've got the materials, Mm -hmm. but they don't have a market for it. Um, That was a very common thing that we would hear is like, you know, a lot of these women who are making these beautiful products, they say like, oh, you know, I love to do this. this I love to create. I love to make. But it really discourages me because there's no market for it mm-hmm, in Kenya mm-hmm. or there's no market for it in India. Mm-hmm. But there's a market for it in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, okay, well, so ha- that's how we can fill in a hole. <laughs> so we can take what you make that there's no market for there, but we can sell it here right. because there is a market yeah. for it here. So, you know, anyway, so that's exciting. kind of – But it's a roundabout way of just kind of saying that I think that – that's what what world vision's doing like that is on a grander scale yeah. in a lot more countries and m- meeting a more basic need mm-hmm. that's that's what that's doing, and that's. I mean, it's. I mean, if World Vision's been around for sixty-five years, clearly it's working.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I. I yeah, just think. I'm really proud of it. Yeah. That program in Kenya sounds really cool, though. It's that really you're working on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I. I, I can't. Like I, I'm like I. I don't want to be like vague. Vague booking. You know. <laughs> but I'm like I'm it's, like it's I can't.
1: called a tease. I think it's a in tease. The biz, it's right? a tease. There'll yeah. be more. There'll
0: be more yeah. coming about it soon. But. <laughs> um. But yeah. But it's that's why I'm just I'm so passionate about it. It was. Um, And it was funny because I was reading on the plane on the way to Kenya. I was reading For the Love by Jen Hatmaker. Have Uh you read that book? Yeah.
1: It's on my reading list. Oh, my gosh. Well, I read it on just
0: the plane ride there. So, like, it's a quick read. Uh And I – there's a chapter. It's interesting because right as we were approaching and about to land in Kenya, I got to a chapter in her book on – called Poverty Tourism. Mm. And – um, I, gosh, I wish I had the book with me so I could read an excerpt, but basically it, you know, it talked kind of about the short term missions trips, which again, we could have a whole a nother whole conversation, other conversation um, cause it. I don't think they're innately bad. I think it just depends on how it's structured, how it's worked. Expectations. Um, yep. exactly. I agree. But she gave the example of, I want to say it was in, I don't know, the country honestly doesn't matter. But there was a story about um, an orphanage in a developing nation where they would literally have a group, like a short-term mission to a bunch mm-hmm. of high schoolers or whatever, mm-hmm. come in from America, paint this orphanage, play with the kids, yada, yada, yada. They would leave. And then that a different group or that same group would come back the next year. But they would... The, they would have the orphans like dirty the like put dirt oh. on it, dirty it up, so that the white Americans could come in and repaint yeah. it and feel good about themselves.
1: Yeah. I hate stories like that. I'm it's like, just awful. Oh that yeah. makes me feel terrible.
0: Um, but yeah, so it it you know, but I think that speaks to a larger issue of you know motivations. Mm. Uh, you know, what are your motivations for going? Is it to make yourself feel better? Mm. Because if that's what you want to do, then just send some money. Like, right. send the money that you were going to spend on your trip. Yeah. Just donate that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because you can make much more of an impact. Donate it to an organization like World Vision or or buy some ethically made products. Definitely.
1: We have that conversation all the time. Because whenever there's a disaster, people want to give, but they also want to do something. And that's a really – you want to harness the empathy that people have and say, that's awesome. But, I mean, there are so many examples of after a disaster. Like after Katrina, even in the United States, people were bagging up clothes and sending it down. And there were – like miles of moldy, rotten clothes sitting out in the sun in the Louisiana heat just like falling apart just on the side of the road because yeah. they didn't – you have to think through like, okay, I'm going to package up these goods and send them, but who on the other side is going to receive them? What sizes do they need? Is it weather appropriate? Is it yeah. culturally appropriate? Like all kinds of crazy things Yeah, um, yeah. that we want to try to help educate people to understand that, yeah, money is often the best way to support – whatever ethical business you're a part of. Yeah. So with World Vision,
0: you guys, obviously, you're a nonprofit all over the the world. Um, You guys have a child sponsorship program. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other things that, World Vision does that people, you know, how can people get involved with World Vision and support World Vision and what they're doing?
1: So you're right. Sponsorship is sort of the primary vehicle that we really say, hey, if you're looking for a way to commit to supporting these sustainable programs that we do, sponsorship is great because the way that it works is that we go into a community and we put the money up front because we never want someone, I actually, before I started at World Vision, I was in between jobs and I was sponsoring a child and I panicked because I was behind on my sponsorship payments and I thought that meant that my sponsored child was like not getting food and couldn't go to school because I wasn't sending in my, I think it was $25 a month at the time. Um, so the, the way that we work is when we go in and we we put the money up front and then we go out and look for sponsors to help support and kind of backfill that money so it's been a commitment made ahead of time and then sponsors come in and say monthly I want to support you and you can actually now go on our website you can email your sponsor child there's videos of where they live so it's really interactive and, and it's a great way I think to learn about especially if you have young kids or children sort of elementary age that you want to help give them a sense of the world around them outside of just themselves. Sponsorship is a great way to do that. But there are a lot of other cool programs that we have. 30-hour um, famine is something that a lot of youth groups do. I did it once. It is really hard. Have you ever tried to go 30 hours without eating? I, got, I actually got sick. I, oh I did gosh. it. It was really really hard so I mean the concept is pretty straightforward you fast for 30 hours and then all of these youth groups around the country have a a, a break the fast meal where they usually do like pizza or pasta or something fun and they along the way during the famine concept or during those 30 hours they usually do like a lock-in and games and different things to learn about what hunger is like for families around the world and then all the money they raise goes to our hunger programs but it's really hard to do yeah and it's really this like visceral experience of of what it must be like for families who really do live that life every day. So it was a really interesting experience. Yeah. Um, and then we have this new program that I'm really excited about. It's called the Global 6K for Water, and it's happening on May 6th. And it is actually a global race. Um, we've never done anything to this extent before. We're having reaching out to countries. I think now we've got about 7 to 10 countries around the world who have people running. I saw yesterday I looked at the map, Brazil, Japan, Canada, Canada, um, Across the United States. Basically, you know, if you have you ever done a road race before? Yeah, yeah. Right? I've so, run a half marathon. Oh, look um, at you. Yeah, okay. Not in You're like, I'm not in, like, I'm oh, not yes, in shape. I've,
0: I've done many. This many. was, was pre kids. Okay. <laughs> not since I had children. Um, but yeah, I've done a half marathon. I've done some 10, 10 milers, but 5Ks are my jam. That's yeah, like, 5Ks, like, like the perfect 3.1 distance. miles, I'm good. I can like, do that. I, I don't think I could ever do a half marathon again.
1: That I'm just, I'm not built for that. I always say if Oprah can do it, I can do it. Like, she <sighs> did a marathon. A few years ago. I just, I don't know. You could. A half marathon was like. By
0: that, I was like, okay, I'm done. I can't imagine then having doing another one on top of that. There
1: and back. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, I did a few too. But also, I have a seven-month-old. And I keep saying, like, it's not a joke. I haven't slept more than four hours since she was born seven months ago. Oh, yeah. People, it's it's real, like sleep deprivation. So yeah, I'm not training for a half anytime soon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no thanks. But if you've done a road race, like 5K and a 10K is pretty common distance. But 6K is actually, so it's about three and a half miles. It's the average distance that a girl in the developing world has to walk every day to get water, which is crazy to me. So I've kind of described it as imagine if you had to put a microwave on your head. It's about 40 pounds, which is about the size of a five-gallon water jug, full. So you put a microwave on your head, and you walk for 15 laps around a high school track. And you get done, and you get to the water hole, and it's dirty water. But you still have to fill up your jug and carry it back to your family because that's all that you have. So that is I mean, at just the most basic level, heartbreaking to me,
0: you know, Mm -hmm. water,
1: turning on the faucet, doing the laundry, brushing our teeth, washing our face, getting a drink of water is so important to us. And it's really hard here in the United States, thankfully, to understand what it looks like to not have that. Mm -hmm. And then when you imagine what it's like to actually walk. So the concept is that we will walk 6K together on May 6th all around the world so that every step we take is one that she doesn't have to. So together, we can help raise money to hopefully provide more clean water to more people. Every $50 registration fee will provide clean water to one person. So I'm really excited about it because I feel like as a relatively new parent too, it's a great way to throw my kids in the stroller and say, we're going to go for a walk. It's a Saturday morning. Hopefully it will be nice and not too, you know, not rainy, but a nice way to get kids and friends and family involved and say, let's go do something that's good for our family, but also meaningful too, and can really help other children and families around the world. I love that
0: yeah so where are these walks taking place if somebody wants to participate how can they find out about registering and all that kind of stuff
1: so if you go to worldvision6k.org that's where you can find all the information but i think the other great thing about it is you can just do the walk in your neighborhood so if you sign up as an individual and you just find a spot uh, maybe a trail near your house or a track near the high school and just map out six kilometers it's i think 3.72 miles. Uh, You can do the race there. You can also look on the website. There are host sites around the world. So, so far we've got, I think, about 500 host sites. And you can look on the map and find one near you and join up with them too. That's
0: awesome. So, yeah. this is great because that's it's one of those things where if you're like maybe intimidated and you don't want to go to, you know, w- walk <laughs> with a exactly. bunch of people, you like can you can just
1: can do just it by yourself. Do it by yourself
0: with your family. And it honest. doesn't take a
1: lot of, you certainly don't need to train for it. I mean, yeah. I think it'd probably take about an hour and 15 minutes to do the walk, maybe. Yeah. On a, you know, leisurely stroll. Yeah. So, it's not too hard to do. The financial commitment is a one time gift of $50 to register and provide clean water to one person. So, I really like it because if you're, someone who's listening and you're thinking i want to get involved with these issues but they seem too big and overwhelming and i'm not going to travel or i can't afford a monthly commitment or i don't know what to do this is a great like first way to just get started and say just take one step and do this one thing yep. on may 6th then walk with us
0: yeah so i mean think about 50 dollars. what does 50 dollars look like i mean that's like basically five trips to chipotle <laughs> That's like basically you get,
1: 10, ten Starbucks, Starbucks coffees, coffees yeah. something like that. Yeah. So I mean, fifty dollars.
0: It, it's re-
1: really reasonable. It's, yeah. yeah,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. that is awesome. Now, there's, you know, you were talking about what you know, w- wanting to know what that feels like. Mm. Um, before we started recording, we were talking about so recently in the last, I guess it was like in the last month. Yeah, there was a. Like a literal water crisis in Chapel Hill. Yeah. So you live on the border of Durham Mm -hmm. and Chapel Hill. Mm -hmm. I live in Durham, so we were not affected by it. But basically, what happened is the water supply for Chapel Hill and I think even parts of Carborough. I think so. Yeah. So it was like
1: all of Orange County, I think.
0: Yeah. It was like Orange County, but it was, I mean, I guess, centered in Chapel Hill. Basically, the water became
1: contaminated or there was like a, I don't really know yeah. how to explain what happened. But Well, I, I don't know the technique. I'm not yeah. a water expert by yeah. any means. Yeah. <laughs> Nor, yeah. But I know what happened for us was it was just this really weird experience because I feel like water is one of those things that you just don't even think about during your right. day. It's not like I've got to go find water today. So when we saw the news, I panicked and thought, Oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to make dinner? How am I going to do the laundry? How are we going to like wash the kids and get some water? I mean, just things that you need. Our grocery store, we have a grocery store across the street from us, ran out of water within like minutes and they refilled three times and they still ran out of water, I think by midnight that night. Yeah. So then they were trucking in like big gallon jugs and just giving them out to people. Um, People were coming over like... So what she's alluding to, but I mean, it was over twenty
0: four hours. Yeah, I think they it had was to the like weekend. they closed the schools early mm-hmm. on Friday because I mean everything from they told they told people like if you live in the affected area, don't shower, yeah. don't cook with your water, don't wash your Nothing. hands with it. Like it was completely contaminated. Yeah. and then once they got it back on and fixed, they even said you have to wait like another. I think it was six to twelve hours mm-hmm. for it to completely filter through. So like, we were over. Um, I think I think it was at Target, in which the Target in Durham, and like there was P- Target was pulling all of their water because they had <laughs> Chapel Hill people and Carbro people coming over yeah. and yeah. getting
1: water i mean people were like staying at other people's house i mean it was, was crazy There were like facebook posts or people were saying like has anyone seen like what's the status of the water at this harris teeter have you been to target is there any water left yeah I mean, people were like crowdsourcing where they could find water which was just crazy
0: yeah and those chapel hill people they love their evian <laughs> their
1: Fiji water.
0: but no um do you have any fancy water do you have any fancy i'll water? only take the fancy kind. i'll only take the fancy yeah kind. but i mean really at at you know, it did open up some interesting conversations with people of like this is something that we take for granted. yet yeah. this is something that people face all over the world all the time. yeah. um, you know, when when we go to when we travel to Kenya and places like that, you know, we're only drinking bottled water. We're brushing our teeth with bottled water. you know, it's they say like when you're in the shower, you know, keep your mouth closed, like make sure you don't get any <laughs> don't water sing. in your mouth. like don't <laughs> sing in the shower in Kenya because you'll get water in your mouth, you know. Those are things that we just we, – we take for granted. So it was interesting when something like that happened – here and the reaction that people had.
1: I think that's why any time, you know, you talk about even like volunteering, going to a soup kitchen, doing like meals on wheels. My grandma would do, she was such a role model. I mean, my grandma into her 90s was taking people meals that were younger than her and she loved it. But any time you can do something like that where you get that hands-on experience, yeah. rather than just me sitting here and saying, did you know that 663 million people every day don't have water? like That that. That number means nothing to me, even though it's a lot less than it used to be. And that's awesome. It's so big and it's so far away and we don't understand what it's like here. So when it happened and we lost water or we thought we did at least because we were in in Durham with the non-fancy water, but it was still drinkable. Yeah, (laughs) It was really good because it gave me a chance to really get an understanding of it in a way that I never had before. In the same way that when I did the 30 hour famine and I was like, oh, this is what it's like. A tiny, tiny, tiny scale to understand what it's like yeah. to be hungry. Um, I think, you know, being able to give ourselves, our families, our neighbors, our friends, those experiences really helps us grow our empathy for what it's like to to not have those things. Yeah. Yeah. So Laura,
0: how can, um, again, we talked about you know child sponsorship and doing the uh, 5K. Um, if people want to just find out more in general, where is the best place for them to go? World Vision's website, social media, how can they connect with World Vision? And how can they connect with you online? Yeah,
1: I think the best way is to start with the website, which is worldvision6k.org. If you want to know more about the Global 6K for Water, which is on May 6th, check that out. If you want to just learn about what we do, it's worldvision.org. And then you can find all of our social channels We're at World Vision USA across most of the platforms. Um, And that's a good way to just stay in touch, like start following us on social and you can see and learn more about the stories that we're talking about and the programs that we do and just get a sense of how you can get involved.
0: Yeah. And I meant to ask this earlier and I thought I did for a second. I don't think I did. What is your current role with World Vision?
1: I'm the senior public relations advisor, but I happen to work from home, which is really nice. That's great. Yeah. That's that's nice. And um, if, if people want to connect with you directly, how can they do that? They can find me on Twitter at, at Laura C. Blank. I'm pretty active there. And cool. um, that'd be a great way to stay in touch.
0: And if you guys are listening to this show and you want to ask Laura some questions or you just want to leave her some love or Please, I would just love anything it. like that, um, love definitely it. tweet at her at Laura C. Blank. And... You know, Laura, it's been so much fun to have you come on the show. And apparently, we, again, we live parallel lives because we know all the same people. We're both Browns fans and
1: (laughs) all that kind of stuff. And we're both going to run a half marathon next year. Yeah, we're going to totally run another another half
0: half marathon. (laughs) I should probably maybe get started on training for that. Oh, boy. More coffee. More coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Laura, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. But seriously, How awesome is Laura and how crazy is it that she knows my cousin? I mean, what are the odds of that? Anyway, I had the best time chatting with Laura and she left me feeling encouraged and inspired and I know she did the same for you. Be sure to leave her some love. I will have links to all of her social channels and all of that in the show notes. And again, be sure to share this show with a friend because that's how we're able to get the word out. Thank you guys again so much for listening and I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Bye.